Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 8 of the Pollination Podcast. Today we'll be discussing how to split a beehive. So the most common question that I get this time of year is how to split my hive or when to split my hive. So I'm going to try to answer that question. Today I'm going to cover the three most common methods to split a beehive. Just understand that there are many variations to these methods and there are many, many other methods. So I guess first we need to answer the question, what is a beehive split? Splitting a hive is the process of taking one strong colony and dividing it into smaller colonies. Basically, you're just breaking a beehive down into its individual frames, seeing what resources are on those frames and rearranging them ideally equally amongst other empty boxes so that you can build more hives. Splitting is number one used to rebuild colonies that you've lost the previous year or increase your total hive numbers if you want to grow your apiary. There are other benefits to splitting like reducing swarming. It can allow you to requeen colonies. It also has some benefits to controlling varroa mites as well. So what kind of equipment do you need to split a hive? You definitely need an empty box. That can be a deep box, a medium box, a shallow box. It can be a five frame nuke box. It number one depends on the size of frame that you have in your parent colony. So if you're running deep frames, you'll need a box that can hold deep frames. If you're running a medium frame hive, you're gonna make sure that you have a box that can support medium frames. You're going to need extra frames that are empty or ideally comb if you're able to have extra comb to replace any of the frames that you're going to remove from the parent colony. You're also going to need an additional lid and bottom board. So the most basic type of split is just figuring out how many frames of each particular resource you have in a beehive, whether it be honey, pollen, eggs, larva, cap root, empty comb, foundation, and then dividing that number in half between the parent colony and the new colony that you're about to make. That's pretty easy. If there's an odd number here and there, it's generally okay. All you need to do is just remove each frame one by one Be mindful of where the queen is. I usually just lean the frames myself against something, maybe another beehive or an empty box. I've leaned them against a tree. So long as you know where that queen is, and ideally, if you can isolate her in another box, that's best. And I just sort of have a stack of all the different resources together. And that way I can just glance and I know exactly what I have. I'll have a stack of foundation. I'll have a stack of empty column. I'll have a stack of honey, of pollen. I'll have a stack of all my brood. Sometimes I'll even split the brood into the three different types. And then I can kind of count and just figure out how many splits I'm able to make from this one parent colony. A lot of people want to know exactly how many frames of each resource you need to add to your new colony that you're making. And how much does the original parent hive need to retain? And that's a pretty flexible question. Kind of all depends, like most things in beekeeping. If I was just going to give an answer uh, for the sake of this podcast, so someone even knows where to start, I would probably make sure each colony had a minimum of two frames of honey with three frames of brood. And ideally, I would want to see eggs, young larvae, and cat brood spread across those three frames. 
It doesn't always work that way because sometimes your parent colony doesn't necessarily always have those three stages in every situation, or they may not have enough to split equally between two colonies. That's generally okay. Don't sweat it too bad. The other thing to consider is if you've found the original queen in the parent colony and you're able to put her back into the parent colony, you can actually give that hive fewer resources because they're still a fully functioning beehive. They're, they already have forages that are probably out bringing in nectar, pollen. You have a queen that's laying that exact moment you put her back in the hive. So you can actually leave that one a little more scraggly. Uh, sometimes I will leave as little as two frames of brood in a parent colony if I need to give three frames of brood to the new colony because the new colony takes time to get established. I like to have honey on both sides of my brood nest. I think it works great as insulation. That's typically how the bees are going to behave themselves anyways. And I find the splits tend to do better if you can put them in a smaller box. They can just defend themselves a little better and keep their hive well insulated. So if you have a five frame nuke box, I find those are the best for making splits. You're just gonna wanna have honey two frames of honey on both the inside and outside section of that box. And then you're going to take your three frames of brood, ideally with eggs, young larvae, and cat brood, and place them in the center of that box, surrounded by those two frames of honey. And then you can move that box to wherever you want the new colony to be. Now, a lot of people want to know, can you do that in the same location as the parent hive? And the answer actually is, is yes, you can. As long as you understand that a percentage of those bees, the older bees, the foragers, are going to return to the parent colony and leave the new split that you just made. Only the young bees, the nurse bees, are going to stay in that split. So what that means is you need to make that split a little bit stronger if you're going to build it and leave it in the same bee yard as the parent colony. A lot of people do this if you just have a hive or two in your backyard and you want to keep them in your backyard not everybody has additional bee yards so this method is just fine so what you probably want to do is again make sure you've left or isolated the the uh, original queen from the parent colony then find a good frame of young larvae from the parent colony and the bees that are on that young larva odds are are going to be young bees you can just shake that in the new colony right when you're building it, and you know, maybe shake an extra frame of two of bees. Still, some of those will fly back. You always wanna make sure you have enough bees to cover the brood. That's absolutely most important. If you don't have bees covering the brood, the brood will die, especially when it comes to eggs and young larvae. The cat brood's a little more hardy, especially if we don't get any hard cold snaps, but that's a good rule of thumb. If the honey's not covered or the pollen's not covered, that's gonna be okay, just starting out. The best way to see how many bees stayed in your new split is just the next day, assuming it's warm and sunny, all of the foragers will have flown back to the parent hive by the next day. So whatever bees you see in that box are the ones that are going to stay. And if you, say, give them three frames of brood and you don't see at least three frames of bees in that new colony, you just need to go back to the parent colony, isolate the queen, pull out some of that young larva, again, the frames, and go over there and just shake them right in the split. They'll be just fine. And that'll try to boost them up. And you kind of have to continue to do that if they don't stay. But usually, they're good the first time if you make it strong enough. They usually don't require, at least in my opinion, uh, more than maybe a 
couple extra frames to be shaken in the next day. When you're using a queen cell or a mated queen to requeen this new colony that you just made, you generally want to make sure the population is already in the box and has entered a queenless state before adding a queen cell or a mated queen. You don't want to put a mated queen in a queen cage and then realize the hive that you just made isn't strong enough to support that colony and then go gather bees from another queen right parent colony and shake it into your split because there's a risk they can kill that new queen. If you go and open the lid the day after you make the split, you realize that it's short on bees, make sure you go ahead and add any bees or brood or whatever you need before adding your cell and before adding your mated queen. You're going to have a higher success rate for queen acceptance on that new hive. So that's what I would consider to be a standard split. I generally have the highest success rate with this method because you're basically hand building the split. You are guaranteeing you're leaving enough resources behind in the parent hive for it to survive and you're guaranteeing that you've added enough resources to your new colony for it to survive. The downside of this method, it can be pretty time and labor intensive. Now, if you just have a couple of beehives, I really think this is the method to go with. If you're running a larger number of colonies, there are some other methods that are a little bit faster, but tend to be a little less successful. So it's always, uh, you're sort of always weighing the pros and cons here. Of splitting a beehive is called the Doolittle method. This method is used a lot by commercial beekeepers, but it can be used by, you know, hobbyist beekeepers as well. This method kind of starts off in the same way that a standard splitting method that I just described goes. You're going to remove all of the frames and sort of organize them by their resource that they have on them. And that will give you an idea of how many splits you can make. The real difference in this split comes from the fact that you want to break the parent colony down to a single story hive. So if you're running a, a deep colony, you're going to want to have just a single story deep down there. And you want to make sure that bottom colony has the same resources that you would want to leave for all of your splits. Let's say, for example, you want to make your splits with two frames of honey and three frames of brood, just like with the standard split. You want to give that to the, the bottom parent colony. You're going to remove any other boxes from the colony. So if you're running a two-story hive or a three-story hive, you're going to take those off, set them aside, and then set aside all the resources that are on those frames. Then you want to take those frames and either try and find and isolate the queen and put her down into that bottom box, or sometimes it's a little faster, is just shake all the bees off those frames into the bottom parent box. Or if you prefer to use a bee brush, you can do that as well, but shaking is, is just fine. We're talking about for speed and efficiency here. So you're basically taking all the bees and putting them down into this bottom box. Or if you can find the queen, you don't have to shake. The whole idea of shaking the frames is that you don't have to spend 15 minutes or whatever trying to find the queen and put her in there. You know if you shake all the frame, all the bees off all the frames, the queen's down there. Kind of downside to doing that, especially if you're making the splits later in the year, those frames of eggs and young larvae won't be protected by the nurse bees because they need to be constantly attended to. So you can actually damage your larvae. Personally, I think it's a little better just to take the time to try and find the queen. But if you can't find her, go ahead and give them a shake or give them a brush. Put them in that bottom box. Once you have that bottom box built how you want, let's say two honey, three brood, whatever, three comb, some foundation, and you know the queen's down there, 
you're going to take a queen excluder, and this is where things change a little bit from the standard split. You're going to take a queen excluder and put it on top of that single story box. That way you know the queen is locked down in there. Now you're going to look and see how many frames you have left to work with. And you're going to rearrange those frames in more deep boxes, just like you would if you were using a five frame nuke box. So you may also want to continue using two frames of honey, three frames of brood, and then fill in the additional five frames of space if you're using a 10 frame deep box. And then you're going to place that split, which is not going to have any bees on it if you're shaking everything off. It's just going to be just the frames of resources. You want to take that box, which is going to be your split, and place it on top of the queen excluder. What's going to happen is all the bees that you shook down into that single story parent colony, they're going to work their way up into that, that new split you just made and cover the brood pretty quickly. You know for a fact the queen won't get up there because you either shook all the bees off the frame or you've picked her manually and put her below the excluder. The cool thing is you can do multiple stories like this. So if you have enough frames of brood, generally that's going to be your limitation, you might be able to make one, two, three, four, five splits off, let's just say, a good double deep hive if there's a really strong spring flow going on. So you'll see these, if you drive by a commercial bee yard and you see these super tall colonies beginning of spring and they're, you know, again, three, four, five deep boxes tall, they could be honey, but they also could just be splits. And what a lot of beekeepers do is we go back out there at night and we just pop each of those deep boxes off, throw a lid on them, put them on a pallet, and you move them away to another location. You can make a bunch of splits that way. You don't have to worry about transferring your split when it becomes queen right from a small five frame colony to a deep box, which takes a lot of time. I don't usually recommend this method for beginner beekeepers, and I think it is a little confusing for me to describe it, but basically you're just making the same split you would with the five frame box. You're just doing it in in my example, in a 10 frame deep box, because that's what I run for colonies. You just put the queen below an excluder in a single story, and then you make as many splits as you can on top of that. And the bees will just come up overnight to cover that, and then you just kind of pop them off. That's called the Doolittle method. So the final splitting method I'm gonna describe, and you can do this also many different ways, in my opinion, has the highest risk of the new split failing, depending on how much time you put into it. But if you put too much time into this method, it defeats the entire purpose of it. You should probably have just done a standard split. And this method is called a walkaway split. With a walkaway split, you want to go to a very strong parent colony. You want to make sure it's at least two stories. If it's more stories, if you have a three-story hive or whatever, that's fine. But in this example, let's say you have a two-story, 10-frame double-deep hive. It's really strong. You're worried they're about to swarm. All you're gonna do, and you can do this right in the middle of the day, is you just crack that hive in half, you take the top box, and you set it right off to the side on a new bottom board, you put a new lid on it, and that's it. And then you come back in about four weeks, and hopefully, if there were eggs or young larvae in both of those boxes, they're gonna have a new laying queen in about one month. Kind of quick and easy, but if you don't really take the time to make sure there are eggs and larvae in the box that you're splitting, it's not gonna make a queen. Now you can of course come back and add a queen cell. You can come back and add a caged mated queen. Uh, you have no idea where the parent queen was. She could be in the bottom box, she'd be in the top box, it doesn't matter. 
This is just supposed to be a very quick method. Now, obviously, if you're going to do this, especially during the day, it certainly doesn't hurt just to check a few frames in both of the boxes and make sure you have the resources that are necessary. But again, if you're pulling frames out and you're checking, you know, and equalizing the, the number of frames of each resource you have in between both boxes, just make the standard split. Just go ahead and break it down. It doesn't take that much longer. Just break it down into the frames into the uh, resources that you need and rebuild them manually. That's going to give you the best success. Walkaway splits are pretty messy. I'll say with our standard splits last year, um, with just a single queen cell, we had like a 90% success rate. Our walkaway split, which we just threw a queen cell in both boxes because I didn't know where the queens were. We actually did most of our splits that way last year because we were just really pressed for time. I had about an 80% success rate, which some people may consider that to be, you know, okay, that's not too bad. I did at least take the time that when I cracked the box in half, the hive in half, I did just kind of glance and look up inside of it and just make sure I saw some brood, but sometimes there's a lot of bees during spring and you can't tell, it's too covered. Or you think, oh, that box is really heavy, it's got a lot of bees, it's great, and you don't find out until, you know, a month later that it was just a box of solid honey and forager bees you took and you just was a waste. So I don't really like this method. To me, it's only to be used if you're really pressed for time, but that's just my opinion. A lot of people want to know when should they split their beehive. And I'll tell you, there's no absolute correct answer on this. You generally want to split them at the beginning of spring. That way you can hopefully reduce their desire to swarm. And even if you make a split that's not as strong as it should be, they have a better chance of rebounding and growing. And of course, they have the whole year to grow. And if you make splits early in the year, you'll probably get a honey crop off of them as well. What I do up here in the Florida Panhandle is roughly around mid-February. Uh, February 15th is always the date I have in my head of when I'm going to go out and start making splits. That can definitely vary by a week or two either way, just depending on the weather. If it's been really rainy, if you have really cold weather, you know, you may not be able to. The best thing to do is just open up your colony and look at them and decide, do they still have room to expand or do they not? If you've got a double deep hive and, I don't know, there's seven frames of bees in there and the rest are mostly empty frames, you probably don't need to make a split. If you've got a double deep hive and it's 18 frames full of honey and brood and bees, you've only got two empty frames, you probably should go ahead and split them. You always want to stay, especially during spring, you want to stay ahead of the bees' growth. When the bees run out of room to expand in their box, that's what's going to trigger swarming. Now, if you don't have time to split and you're worried about that, that is a, an option for the walkway method, but I think what would be even better is just add another box if you happen to have it. If you've got a two-story hive and they're full, I don't know, and you've got to go on vacation for a couple of weeks, just throw another empty deep box, even if it's foundation up top. That will spread the bees a little thinner because one of the many things that will trigger swarming is the density of the bees in that box. So if you can reduce the overall density in the hive, you're going to reduce the swarming impulse. None of these are guarantees. They just sort of kind of stack the odds in your favor a little bit. They might be able to buy you some time. But I've definitely split hives hard, like down just to barely two frames of brood. And I've still had them swarm on me in early spring. So there's no guarantees. But you want to do everything you can. You certainly don't want to lose your bees. Another good thing to look for if you're splitting is look for drones. When you start seeing a lot of drone brood, and first, you'll, of course, you'll see the drone larvae. They'll be larger than your worker larvae. 
when you start seeing a lot of capped drone brood and then you start seeing a lot of drones hatching out, the bees are probably ready to reproduce, which means swarming. So that's a great time to split. The last question I got was whether to use a queen cell or a mated queen or just to let the hive raise their own queen in the new split. And those are all three very viable options. I, I use all three all the time. Uh, for years, we always let our colonies make their own queens. The issue is it takes an entire month to do it, and they kind of get one shot. If that queen fails, you're going to lose the colony. Um, it either might turn into a drone layer if the queen didn't mate properly, or you're going to get a laying worker hive, and you can really lose a lot of your spring honey flow waiting on that queen to be made. And you generally have to make the splits a lot stronger which means you're going to make fewer splits overall because it takes a month for that queen to be made to start laying and then you still got another three weeks before those eggs hatch out so you can be talking a good seven weeks before that colony begins to increase and if you think that a honeybee's lifespan is only around five or six weeks you're going to have a massive drop in population so you really have to make sure you add plenty of bees and most importantly plenty of brood i would never make a split if i'm going to let the colony raises on queen with two frames of brood. I just, you're asking for problems. I would say three really good frames of brood, all with all three stages, eggs, larva, and cat brood, are gonna be your best bet. That way you have nice a nice generational growth of bees. You don't wanna just use cat brood because they're all gonna hatch out at the same time, be the same age, and the colony will still collapse. You always wanna keep a balance of the, the age of the population. Some people are afraid to use queen cells for splits. That's how I make almost all of my splits over here. I think it's perfectly fine. Again, you need to build the split strong enough because even if you put a queen cell in a split, that's a day from hatching. And that's usually what you want to do. You want to build a split. And then the day after, if the split is still strong, you give them a queen cell that's hatching that day or hatching the next day. Even when you do that, you're still looking at about, best case scenario, two weeks before that queen starts laying. That means five weeks before you see an increase in your overall bee population. That queen has got to go on multiple orientation flights to learn the area. She's going to have to go on multiple mating flights. She's going to need to mate with an average of 13 drones or preferably even more. So you have to have drone saturation in your area. If you're anywhere near me, I promise it's not really an issue. A lot of people worry about it. I've seen drones in this area almost year-round. I was mating queens all the way up into Halloween of this past year, and they're still doing great right now. So don't stress over that too much. So the odds I found for mating a virgin queen at, at least over here in my apiary and I'm talking about with the standard split so three brood two honey a ripe queen cell that's about to hatch last year we had about a 90% success rate on those so pretty good and very few of the cells never hatched I know a lot of people were worried they're going oh, well the cell may not hatch some people like that in two cells, and I do do that sometimes if I have extra. Since we raise our own cells, we usually have a surplus. Pretty rare that I see a queen cell doesn't hatch. And it obviously depends on how it's handled, and, you know, some people show up here and they buy queen cells that, uh, you know, they drive home for two hours without an incubator, and they're laying them in their floorboard. So, yeah, maybe that one's a little more risky. I know for us, we take the cells as soon as they're capped, and our cell builders, 
we immediately place them in an incubator and that's exactly where they stay at a constant temperature with good humidity and then I take them out of the incubator and I walk right down here or drive to the bee yard and I put them in right away. So with that method, we have a pretty high success for hatch out for our cells. So the reasons they failed are probably more or less, you know, the, the virgin queen died somewhere on one of those orientation or mating flights, or perhaps she flew into the wrong hive and was killed by a different queen or different workers. So that happens. I found that if I add a second queen cell around the three week mark, I have done it at four weeks as well, that I can reduce the the loss of that split even more so. When I came back around and added a second queen cell at three weeks last year to my standard splits, we had a 95% take on our splits. It was the highest we'd ever got. Just because the first queen fails doesn't mean uh, you have a total loss on that split. And also remember, if you added eggs and you have young larvae in your split, if you have a queen cell that fails, the bees still have an opportunity to raise their own queen, and that might take a month. So that's why I like with queen cells is you kind of get a second chance. You have the cell, you have the bees, the bees have the opportunity to raise their own queen, versus if you're letting the bees raise their own queen only, you only get that one chance. So the final option is to add a mated queen to a split. You can purchase a an adult fully mated queen. They're going to come in cages. The cages can be all you know plastic, wood, whatever. Usually with a sugar candy plug that the bees will chew her out of. Typically in 24 to 72 hours, although it can vary a bit. And a lot of times the benefit with this is the mated queen can begin laying as soon as she gets out of that cage. I have seen it take upwards of a week for her to start laying. I don't know if it's just the stress from being caged and handled so much or exactly what's happening but sometimes there is a delay on laying so if you buy a mated queen from a queen rear and you know you go up there and you open it a few days later you see she's not in the cage you see her crawling around in the comb and you don't see any eggs yet before you call that queen rear and start fussing at them give it a little more time now if she hasn't started laying in a week i would certainly be concerned but just so you guys know that as well the mated queens are pretty successful as far as introduction goes, if you do it properly, so if your split has been queenless overnight is a good way to do it. So you build your split one day, you add a mated queen to a cage the second day. That's got a pretty good success rate. When I've done it, we're usually in the high 90 percentile rate. You know, that's still not a massive percentage difference for the success rate versus a queen cell. And that's what people need to understand. A lot of new beekeepers are run into will refuse to make a split with a queen cell they only want mated queens which is fine if you have a mate if you can find them that's really good the thing with mated queens is a lot of queen mirrors are backed ordered for months it can be a little difficult to find them and of course they're usually at least five times the price of a queen cell i understand that some people still want to have the highest percentage possible to have their splits survive and of course, your hive is going to be in production at least two weeks earlier than if you were to use a queen cell. But just, they're all they're all three really viable options. You just kind of need to determine what's best for you. If you're running a commercial operation, you're probably going to err on the side of queen cells just because they're so much cheaper and you have to buy such a large quantity. If you're a backyard beekeeper and you're just making one split, yeah, $25 to buy a mated queen is probably the better way to go. 
So that's a pretty basic introduction on how to split a beehive, the three most common methods. You have at least what I call the standard method. Personally, I think that's probably the best method if you have the time. You've got your Doolittle method, which is better if you're running really large numbers of colonies. And then you have the walkaway split, which is the riskiest, in my opinion, of the three methods, but is really great if you just don't have time or you're just okay with having a higher chance of failure rate on your hives. You can let your colonies raise their own queen, which takes a month. You can add a queen cell, which can take two to four weeks. Or you can add a mated queen, which could potentially have a laying queen the same day that you put her in. These are just three different methods to make splits and my own personal opinion on how they're made. There's a ton of flexibility in this. What you need to decide, like probably with everything in beekeeping, is what is best for me and my bees. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Pollination Podcast. I'm Matthew Walker from Walk in the Woods Apiary. We hope we have answered a few of your beekeeping and pollinator questions. Please share your questions and comments to our Facebook page at The Pollination Podcast.